Lights, camera, action. Hello and welcome to another edition of Movie Madness in association with Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Keenan Bonner, Sean Shute and Jack Harper. The matchup we'll be getting into this week is 2016's Deadpool against 2014's John Wick as we continue our quest to determine the greatest action movie since 1990. I will also say this is... Our final week doing the action bracket until after Christmas. So, if Christmas movies aren't your thing, this will be the last time you hear us till after Christmas. If not, we've got Home Alone vs. Die Hard to get into next week, but I'll do a bit more explaining about that at the end of the show and the criteria we'll be breaking things down by, including best tree. So, we've got that to get into. Anyway, how is everyone doing today? Yeah, not bad, mate. Yep. Yeah. Not bad, as if I've not been speaking to you for the last couple of minutes, but i just like the audience to know that I am nice and polite. <laughs> so just lie, lying from the outset, basically. No. <laughs> yeah, please. So we, we've we got um, quite, a, quite a mammoth clash this week with Deadpool and John Wick. They're two films I'm that gonna throw I've certainly never there. heard anyone say they hate either of them. Best week we've done of the pod, for me. No, to John Wick. You'll you'll all get to hear my opinions on John Wick shortly. Yeah, what I think is going to be interesting here is just from speaking to the three of you, I do think we are pretty much split down the middle with this one. So it will be interesting to see how we go. It's it's difficult because Deadpool is one of my favourite films. Um, But John Wick is just action-packed to the point of brilliance. So it's going to be so hard to kind of choose between the two. Well, if we start with Deadpool then, so a wise cracking mercenary gets experimented on and becomes immortal but ugly and sets out to track down the man who ruined his looks. I feel that's underselling it. <laughs> that's like if Deadpool it, wrote his own synopsis. That's a really good. That's actually a really nice way of putting it. It does make the film <laughs> seem a lot more like vapid. Uh, yeah. than it actually is <laughs> it's all just about tracking down man you take his like terminal illness out of it and just say it's all just because some man's taken yeah. away his looks yeah um, as always I've got the critics reviews and it is really a mixed bag again this week for both of them and one of them which we'll get to is legit I know I made a joke last week but you'll see what I mean um That's just trivia, actually. So the film plays well over multiple viewings and holds comedy to a higher standard than mere action and wisecracks. Witty, profane and full of action. Deadpool is a nice breath of fresh air. There is no middle ground with this movie, but the middle ground has been thoroughly set on fire. Those who dislike it will absolutely loathe it. Those who like it will fight a duel to defend its honour. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, it's competently made and mostly fun. 
not a rip roaring review that one. <laughs> That's like just does a job. <laughs> a nandy compliment. Uh, if you if you know anything about Deadpool, then you know Ryan Reynolds was born to portray him. The casting was incredible. The jokes and references were spot on, and I couldn't have been more pleased with this film. That is probably the one that I kind of identify with the most because having loved Deadpool as a kid, growing up with it, Ryan Reynolds just played it exactly how I imagined it. There's not many films where you've kind of had the adaptation from comics or stories or books or whatever that you really think does the character justice, whereas this one completely does in my view. Well, they got it wrong first time, didn't they, with the X-Men Origins film, where yeah. and then that was kind of the way of getting it right, much like they went the opposite way around, where they perfected Bane in the best Batman film ever, and then took it downhill with Tom Hardy in uh, The Dark Knight Rises. No one acknowledges. I'm not getting it. Just let him move on. Just let him move on. <laughs> well, if you don't, if you don't say, if you don't say anything, then he just can't. He can't have his moment. Can yeah, sure, sure. Uh, <laughs> what makes Deadpool a very, very special member of the Marvel universe is that he rides that Bugs Bunny plane of existence, where he has a direct, ongoing conversation with us, the audience. We'll get into that it. a bit later. I think his conversation with uh, with I, us. I love it. The matter uh, breaking the fourth wall stuff, I think it's yeah. fucking. It doesn't work. Won't work in every film. I think no. basically because they've got Ryan Reynolds to do it, it does work. Yeah. Um, you've heard the story Deadpool tells a million times before, but the attitude with which it's told here makes it feel fresh and as close to innovative as you're going to see in a tentpole blockbuster. Yeah. What is a tentpole blockbuster? <laughs> it's not just a blockbuster. Gives you an erection. <laughs> <laughs> Did Deadpool do that for you? No, not particularly. So then Marina Bacari. Oh, that's the way you do it. <laughs> its two key errors are an assumption that breaking the fourth wall in itself denotes wit, and that when you have a smart idea, you're best off flogging it for all it's worth. Hmm. Interesting. So they've gone the opposite way. Uh a more rebellious Deadpool would comment on how its climax looks just like every other Marvel climax, but instead there's safety to the tone that veers only from amusing to dull. I don't agree with that, personally. I, I mean, we'll probably come on to the ending later, so I don't want to steal anyone's thunder, but it doesn't end exactly how you think a Marvel film would end, which is perfect for this film. Well, yeah, we'll go on to the categories. So, Ryan Reynolds was born in a damn lab to play this role, and TJ Miller is equally good as possibly the most realistic superhero sidekick ever. <laughs> Just spot on when he has no powers, and he's basically he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll stay here. There's no need for me to be coming along with you. Yeah. Um, he also will be on our Christmas bracket, because he's, he's an office Christmas party, same as... Uh, Dopinder, the taxi driver, is too, so I'll sort of cross over there. Uh, the thing you walk into it expecting it to be is completely and in all ways the thing that it is. This can be taken as both a good thing and a bad thing. I remember going to watch it at the cinema, and I'd have to like prep. Sarah before I went because she doesn't like superhero movies. I was like, I'm telling you, this will not be like your normal superhero movie. 
And then literally the, he breaks the fourth wall by saying, literally everyone has come as a partner. This isn't a superhero movie. Yeah. It's like, I had to like give the wink to Sarah and be like, yeah, I'm like psychic. I just knew. And <laughs> um, finally, uh, everything that we're hearing here is daring, brand new and innovative. Zombieland did seven years ago. <laughs> Seems harsh. Yeah, it's a bit of a jump as well. I mean, don't get me wrong, I like Zombieland, but I would, f- I, I think this is wittier and I feel that Ryan Reynolds is more engaging as a lead than, what is it? Jesse Eisenberg. Jesse Eisenberg. Oh. I thought it was an interesting point in fairness, but yeah, I don't agree. It's I can see, completely, I can see the angle it's not ripping it off, but. No. I can see the angle of what he's, where he's coming from, but I would still argue that this is a much better film. I should start taking down the names of these people and then if people, if anyone yeah. really wants to go at them, then they can. <laughs> he's just encouraging a pile on of these critics. They would have done this review when it came out in 2016 as well, so they'd yeah. just completely shocked <laughs> that they're suddenly getting shit for it. Well, to be fair, if we can clear out all these critics, then we can create a little role for ourselves. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so, on to the trivia then. So, during a talk at Google, Ryan Reynolds revealed that the taxi driver Doug Hinder was named after a really cool guy he knew in an elementary school who died when he was hit by lightning. It was meant to be a tribute to him. That seems like a very Ryan Reynolds thing to happen. I mean, one of his best mates died by being hit by lightning. Um, yeah, it's, a, it's an odd one. That's not where I thought it would have come from. Okay. <laughs> um, on April Fool's Day 2015, Ryan Reynolds posted on Twitter that the film would be PG-13, which prompted fan backlash that Deadpool character often swears and commits acts of graphic violence. Later that day, amongst the hate, Reynolds confirmed that it was a prank and the film would be R-rated. You would think if he is posting something Deadpool related on April Fool's Day, yeah. surely, like someone could have the most tragic death ever happen, and people are going to make jokes because they assume it's going to be an April Fool's Day joke. Yeah, when anyone, when I see anything on April April Fool's Day, I don't believe any of it, none of it. No, like, you could literally tell me something, I will not believe it until the next day. I remember. They do it every so often. Football Manager had it where no matter who you were, if you played it on April Fool's Day, it would pop up saying like the board had given you like a, a billion pound cash injection. Mm-hmm. And then you click to accept it and it would say, it's April Fool's Day, what do you think we're doing? <laughs> <laughs> I do actually, I do remember that being a feature. I didn't like it. Um, I'm trying to take Reading out of the championship and that's what I'm doing <laughs> At around 22 minutes in, after Vanessa and Wade have ski-balled and are trading in their winning tickets for prizes, you can see a large stuffed dog wearing Deadpool attire that can be seen hanging behind the counter. This refers to Dogpool, a canine version of Deadpool from an alternate universe. <laughs> um, Ryan Reynolds was involved with revising the script with the writers, and cast members were allowed to improvise in some scenes. Thought you'd enjoy that, Keenan. I always do. I think that, um, that does make a lot of sense. Yeah, when, yeah. Like the deliverance and some of the lines that 
I was, I was, when I was watching it, I was thinking, there is literally no one else but Ryan Reynolds that could pull these lines <laughs> off. So that makes total sense. It's put a lot of pressure on him, though, because people do expect him to be like, you know, you, you see complaints from like rappers or comedians where they say they get stopped in the street and people are like, be funny. He is now expected to be at like that level every time All he does time. an interview, every time he posts anything. Well, that's, that's the thing is, he always seems to raise the bar. I mean, even when he did his Wrexham announce video the other day, after buying Wrexham, even that was funny. I did think when I saw that go through that this is a good week to be able to put Ryan Reynolds as a trending topic in the description. So <laughs> yeah. we've done it again. Um this became the first R-rated movie to have a three-day opening weekend of over 100 million at box office. Um, while films such as Matrix Reloaded and The Passion of the Christ had earned well over 100 million by the end of their first full weekend, those opened on a Wednesday and were showing multiple times throughout the day. Um, Deadpool only had some 7pm to 10pm screenings before its Friday-wide release, so it did exceptionally well to break that mark. Can I just say sorry, just whilst we're on the yeah. topic of Deadpool. Never heard of this woman that was in the film, by the way, Gina Carano. Didn't know her name. Yeah, she, she's like an MMA fighter. She's like a pioneer. Okay, I've never heard of her, right? And now I've seen her on Twitter about, I don't know, like 30 times. Yeah, she's just had a load of backlash. Yeah, I don't know what she said or whatever, but apparently... She's in the Mandalorian, isn't she? Yeah, she said basically, yeah, that she thinks COVID's a hoax, that she thinks people are being brainwashed to stay in their house and... She's a big Trump supporter as well, so which yeah, okay. you 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 wouldn't expect because her her thing for a while is for a start any fighter that is somewhat good looking goes through the roof anyway. But she was like MMA's kind of sweetheart before it took off. Like she was pre Ronda Rousey. Okay. Um, she fought in Strike Force and she fought Cyborg, and that's how she got big. And then. When she fell out of love with it, she left and then went on to make far more money being a stunt woman and then going on to do acting. Yeah, no, all these kind I, of I things. I didn't know who she was. And then, like, Wednesday, I watched, last night I watched Deadpool. And then in yeah. the last 24 hours, I've seen her on Twitter like 30 times. Yeah. It looks like, uh, you know, you know, when you see these people sometimes where they post something slightly controversial and they mm. seem to get a buzz off it when they get, like, the barrage of yeah. all the kind of right wingers saying, Oh my God, it's so great that you're so good looking and you share all these opinions the same as me. And on the other hand, people are saying, You're a disgrace. And they just <laughs> lap it up. And so she's just gone all in ever since then. There we go. Oh, fair enough. Um, there was a, there was a stage where her biting her lip in, uh, the audience of an MMA fight was like, the most viewed gif at some stage so she is a uh, big song okay uh in the comics negasonic teenage warhead is actually a telepath and a precognitive mutant her abilities were changed for the film due to the fact that the writers thought her having explosive powers would be more entertaining for the audience so probably a good show um this was the the trivia that stood out to me so initially because this, this film took so long to be made. There was a running gag throughout involving Wade and the other bar patrons that were betting on how Amy Winehouse would die. 
This was then cut because she obviously did die. We don't know if anyone had the right bet there. But um, taking both the joke a bit too harsh. And yeah, they didn't think uh, people would respond well to it. (laughs) Deadpool's like, there we go. Looks like I've made my money. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, this was one of the ones where they say it in the opening and it goes right through the film. So they had to reshoot them. I don't know if I wrote this down. Essentially... That would have been a good fourth wall moment. Ryan Reynolds would just think of things randomly and he'd record the line as like a voice note on his phone and just keep pinging them to the director. And then once they approved them, yeah, exactly. He'd then go in and record it on their proper equipment so they could put it in. They obviously had the benefit of not having to see his mouth move. So, Hmm. Um. To prepare for the film, Ryan Reynolds hired a swords master to train him, so another bit of entertaining prep that he's been able to go through. Um, producer Simon... Sorry. I was going to say how many stunts he did, because obviously... They say he did about 80% of them. Oh, really? Now, I've got a bit about the fight scenes, so that may explain a lot, so that's quite a big bit which I'll get on to. Sure. Um, Producer Simon Kimberg stated in an interview that Olivia Munn auditioned for the role of Vanessa Carlyle and that the audition resulted in her being cast as Psylocke in X-Men. You can see that they very clearly had, like, uh, when they put the feelers out as to who they wanted in this role. Like, if I've got her name right, uh, Moreno Baccarin, who plays her in the end, her and Olivia Munn would very much be in the same kind of grouping if you're a casting agent, auditioning yeah. parts for that. Mm. Damn shame she didn't get the role. Well, Another one did an office Christmas party, so there we go. Um, just there were plan- well, we will, we will be. There were plans for cameos from various other X-Men, including Hugh Jackman as Wolverine, but the studio denied all of them for being too expensive, which is why they have the line later on saying... Uh, we had only seen the two of you here, so almost as if the studio didn't want to pay for any of the other X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised the studio let that in. Um, they like, showed it very... to, they, yeah, they showed it and the, uh, main like, studio ex- exec said it was his favorite line in the entire film. So well, they went with good it. Good for him. Yeah. Good for him. Uh, Bob, who you see in the fight at the end, who I think he says he last saw him at Walmart or something. So, mm. In the comics, he's actually in Hydra, but a combination of the film's budget and the legal action from Marvel forced them to take out the explicit references, and so that was kind of a nod to the people that are big, big comic book fans. And if not, it's just a funny little quip with him seeing a guy called Bob and acknowledging him in the middle of a fight. Um, Stan Lee said that his biggest complaint about his cameo as a DJ in the strip club is that he didn't get to spend enough time with the strippers. <laughs> some boy some boy wanted to be fair. Hero. <laughs> uh, Deadpool's reference to 127 hours was cut down slightly to take out a reference to James Franco, who he referred to as Harry Osborne. This was done to avoid a lawsuit from Sony, who still held the rights to Spider-Man. Fucking hell. Uh, you're, that's a theme throughout this. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> in... In the turn of where we see these uh, dodgy decisions that are made, so 
In June 2010, Robert Rodriguez was approached to direct, but he turned it down to shoot Spy Kids 4D all the time in the world. Jesus Christ. <laughs> which I actually saw at the cinema. So first year I got my cinema card in the, it was the summer holidays between uh, year 12 and 13 for us. And me and Kieran literally saw like every film that was in the cinema. <laughs> and it would be a nightmare where every film that you probably didn't want to be shouted out, this was not me much to anyone else, but the old Gloucester cinema where you didn't have the machines and you'd almost have the like, uh, centipede style queue where everyone hears essentially what you're saying to the people at the front. Yeah. And the 4D thing was they had these scratch and sniff cards, which were part of it. <laughs> and anyway, we got to the front. 3D glasses we didn't have and didn't have these scratch and sniff things. And they've had to shout across the back saying, uh, we've got two for Spy Kids. Um, do you have any more of those cards there? And then we just wait at the front while people are saying, <laughs> you're going to have to hold on a second. We need to get these cards for Spy Kids for these lads here. <laughs> no, I, I'm gone. See ya. Well, well, me, they knew what they were doing there as well. well. This yeah, is, so confirmed. this is the thing. Me and Kieran, each time we would do rock, paper, scissors, or we would uh, take it in turns to say who had to ask for that particular film. Mm. And we saw Mr. Popper Penguins, which so you can see what kind of summer <laughs> this was. And uh, the woman at the front, he Kieran got to the front and he said, uh, two for Mr. Popper's Penguins, please. She went, uh, sorry, could you, uh, I didn't hear you very well there. He went, two for Mr. Popper's Penguins, please. And she went, I'm a little hard of hearing. You're going to have to say that a bit louder for me. And then just smirks as he had to say <laughs> that a bit louder, two for Mr. Popper's Penguins, please. Oh. Well, I mean, presumably you never, you never lost. Or were they not? This is game? why we had to start taking it in turns, Sean. Got you, got you. Because, yeah, I don't lose. <laughs> um, the word fuck is said 79 times in the film. Uh, this I've taken down just for you, Keenan. Um, Hi. Ryan Reynolds loves gross point blank. So yeah. Wilson's comment about shooting Ajax in the head and fucking the brain hole is a nod to Dan Aykroyd's character. Dan Aykroyd. Mm-hmm. there you go phenomenal so this good, is where you'll get a lot of the sorry Jack. I was just going to say going back to the director turning it down for Spy Kids 4 yeah didn't the guy who plays Francis he turned down his role in Game of Thrones to shoot this Christ that's why he left Game of Thrones apparently because he was like the head of the second sons and then they recast him to the guy who was in Haunting of in- Hill House in fairness, um, choosing between Deadpool and Game of Thrones isn't quite the same as Spy Kids or Deadpool. No, it's not. He's at least had a decision to make there. <laughs> Game he gets of Thrones. to be the second lead in a fucking major Hollywood film as well, doesn't um, he? With, with TV shows, usually you would say you stick with a TV show because you're going to be in it for longer. Game of Game Thrones of is Thrones. ruthless, isn't it? And you don't no know if you're going to get chopped like a, an episode <laughs> later. To be fair, his character was in, like, for the rest of the season. And then when she left to go to Westeros, he was just left behind and never seen yeah. again. <laughs> he probably made the right decision. So you'll get a, a lot of trivia like this from me now. So essentially, right before the film was going to be made, the studio got cold feet, and they cut $7 million out of the budget. So there were a load of changes which, in hindsight, may be good for what the, the film that we see. So... It starts off with uh, 
a motorcycle chase between Deadpool and Ajax was cut out. So Matt Damon's rubbing his hands together like we had last week, him and mm. her motorcycle chases. But the reason the film is told in a non-linear way is because the budget was going to have action sequences throughout. And then when their budget got cut, they couldn't afford to shoot all of them. So they essentially shot three big action scenes, which is hard to believe if you go back and watch it knowing that there's really only three big action scenes, which they yeah. splice throughout. So it's flashbacks and this and that because they didn't have the money to shoot anymore. So that was the only way they could get all the bang for their buck and still have it be action throughout. Hmm. It's hard to see where they'd fit more in because some of his funniest lines are when he's just either in his apartment or just sat down interacting with his... Well, they they spread the, the scene with him only having 12 bullets left. They spread that over half of the film. Yeah. Yeah, that is true, yeah. They come back to it at three different points, don't they? So it might be one of the... We, we spoke about with uh, Bad Boys, didn't we, where we said some people prefer Bad Boys 1, but Bad Boys 2 was ultimately the film Michael Bay would have made if he'd had the same budget the first time around. Mm-hmm. So that could be this kind of thing where it may have been a blessing that they take this money away from him and he really has to make the most of every little bit they have and perfect it. It does kind of make sense because you can tell the budget's massively increased in Deadpool 2. Yeah. Because just some random shit happens. And you yeah. think, well, I, I mean, that, that's 7 million. Fucking, they probably ain't getting Josh Brolin for any, for any less than that. No. Yeah. Especially well, he, that he was going to be in the first one and then they realised the budget. So yeah. they said, save the money and have him in a bigger role the next time around. Um... For his role, Ed Scrine, Ajax, or Francis, uh, drew inspiration from Harold Shipman. <laughs> Usually we get a nice inspirational one here. <laughs> Brilliant. In his Oscar well, speech, I, I just want to thank, uh, thank my guy Harold. <laughs> the thing is as well, like, he plays that character like every other cockney bad guy in every other film as well, so... I think they just say these things for the sake of it sometimes, but yeah, look, if they say it, I'm going to write it down. Yeah. I reckon no, that's, fan- I reckon that's, that's a he's... bit of banter between him and his mates. He said, <laughs> like he said to his mates in like a group chat, he was like, "Boys, like, I, they're asking sort of who my inspiration is." His agents faxed him over the questions or whatever it is, and he's like, oh, "Who can I say?" And one of his mates has popped up with Aaron Shipman. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only explanation, really. So this next bit, you, you you're going to think I'm joking here, but if you want to take yourself to IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes, or anyone else, anywhere else that has trivia, you will find this. Um, Crank and its sequel, Crank High Voltage, are considered to be major influences behind the film. In particular, it's over-the-top action, humour, and strong profanity. Both Crank and Deadpool are films about violent, foul-mouthed, cocky killers and drug addicts who are injected with a serum which makes them indestructible. And they set out on their quest for revenge against the people responsible. There's like four more iterations of that, by the way, where they say, Ryan Reynolds said this, the director is a big fan. So uh, I'm not it saying, I'm not annoying saying, annoyingly, yeah, I get it. Yeah, same. It's almost like this is if they perfected what Crank was supposed to be. Well, I can Do you remember I... on the Monday pod once we, we did it, I think it was on an upstairs pod where we said, Films where the concept was better than the actual film. 
and we said things like the purge and other things like that where when you read the synopsis it is literally perfect to make a banger of a film and mm. they just got it wrong and crank if you give that a multi-million dollar budget and yeah maybe yeah. have someone different shoot you that kind of thing does have everything to make it a, a great film so you can see it yeah like if they had like the multi-million dollar budget so it wasn't so grotty it was a bit kind of I don't know, just a bit more glossed over than had like Dwayne the Rock Johnson is the lead. I, that would I be tweeted ages ago that they should make a crossover with Crank and um, Nightmare on Elm Street and have Jason Statham needs to stay awake to avoid Freddy Krueger. <laughs> it could go mental and you can get a big Red Bull sponsorship in there. I've asked for commission, but no one's been in touch. <laughs> um, just only two more bits so throughout the film Deadpool accuses studio of not having enough money to pay for the several elements in the movie so there you go Fox cuts 7 million dollars at the last minute necessitating several rewrites um, they originally wanted the end credit scene to feature Beast shitting on Wilson's lawn and then running off as Wilson shakes his morning newspaper at it but they had to set off for a joke about it instead uh, Ryan Reynolds said Nicholas Holt was game, but they just couldn't make their schedules work. So Fair enough. Could have been different. If we go on to the categories, rewatchability always the first place we start. This has got to be Mate, this is one of the top, most rewatchable in the market. <laughs> Yeah. Top five, in, I mean, I'll even I'll even be more generous and say top five, including the comedy bracket as well. Whoa, whoa! That nah, maybe m- maybe top seven or eight actually, as I think about it. But it, I I hadn't watched this in two two and a half years. It is quite great. A long time, quite a long time, mate. It took me yeah. about four minutes, and yeah. I was like, yeah, fuck it, I'm back, I'm back in this, yeah. and I I enjoyed fucking practically every minute of it. Well, we we got our like, action per minute calculation we do near the end, and our rewatchability as we've done essentially comes down to a cross of runtime, easy watchability, and having at least some set pieces to have that you can tune in maybe after ten minutes, twenty minutes, thirty minutes have passed. Yeah. And this does tick off all those boxes. Oh, mate! Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, both films this week are under two hours long. Because if you, because it's almost, it's almost strange to think of it like that because of the way the film's structures in the, like, flashbacks and, like, you go to certain points. So you think maybe you have to have seen, maybe you have to have watched the whole thing to be able to, like, still follow it, but you can. You could tune in with 20 minutes left of this. Yeah, yeah. And you'd still be sound because it's quite a clear formula with he's trying to get the girl, he needs to defeat the bad guy. And you're gonna have a big fight, and so it's it's not one that you need a lot of uh, spurring on to get to that point. Quotes, then. This I'm not sure we're gonna do any of these justice, but I think last week we had a film where Jack didn't have a single quote down. So I assume this <laughs> week, Jack, <laughs> you are you are locked and loaded. Oh man, I was every line I was like writing that. I had to trim it because I was like. 
I can't say all of these, so I've literally <laughs> chosen my favourite ones. You say that, um, we, we did the Step Brothers pod last <laughs> year, where I think it was, I don't think Sean did that one, so it's me, Keenan and TK, and I think we quite literally did quote the whole film. But yeah. well, this, this is the thing, so it's like, right from the off, you've got, I'm touching myself tonight, whilst he <laughs> inhales his gun smoke, which is iconic, because that's in a lot of the movie trailers, which really got G'd up to go see it as well. And <laughs> it just comes out, I will shoot your fucking cat. <laughs> it just cracks me right up and like threats hurt you but not nearly as much as serrated steel and like we're barely out of this, the first scene and it's just brilliant um do, do you have an off uh, do you have an off switch yeah right next to the prostate or is that the on <laughs> switch my favorite quote in the whole film was uh when he's up in the middle of the night and he says, I had another Liam Neeson nightmare. I kidnapped his daughter and he just wasn't having it. Yeah. <laughs> For a start, just the way he just wasn't having it. Like he's, he's picking a radio station that the other person doesn't want <laughs> rather than kidnapping his daughter. And then, uh, they made three of those movies. At some point, you just have to wonder if he's a bad parent. Yeah. <laughs> um, the one that always sticks to me and it kind of made me laugh the most the first time around that I remember watching it was where He's, got, he's going through all the people leaving Francis and he's fighting those two girls. And he like <laughs> whacks one of them. He's like, oh my God, oh my God. Is it sexist to hit you? Is it sexist not to hit you? I'm so confused. <laughs> this is brilliant. It reminded me, I watched 22 Jump Street last week and the fight scene that Jonah Hill has uh, with the <laughs> yeah. bird at the end where he doesn't know if he can hit it. And then they keep pausing where, where she's trying to have a moment with him. Yeah, good. <laughs> Great uh, film that is. I forgot how good the second one was. It's not bad. It's not bad. Uh, you look like an avocado that had sex with a much older avocado, but not like <laughs> gentle. Like like hate fucking it. <laughs> like the relationship, was, <laughs> the relationship wasn't working, but this is the only type only type of catharsis they can find. <laughs> There's a lot of great you look likes in this, isn't there? When he yeah. calls her Sinead O'Connor, I was cracking up as well. <laughs> fucking men. What's the song? I can't remember what he says. Oh shit! Whatever it was, she released in the nineties. It's a banging little quote. Um, as of Ripley now, from Alien call- as well. Yeah, yeah, it's nice. Um, as of now, you have one course of action starring horror films. You look like Freddy, Freddy Krueger fucked the topographical map <laughs> of Utah. <laughs> <laughs> She's like Robin. Like Dragon Ball Keen, and that was an extra <laughs> down as well. She's what like Robin. She's like Robin to my Batman, except old, black, and blind. <laughs> Love is blind, Wade. No, you're blind. I don't know. I don't know what <laughs> fucking battered me last night. <laughs> as as did today was as much fun as a sandpaper dildo. Hashtag drive by. <laughs> and uh, I, I like it when he keeps calling out the superhero and I know it's like such a simple quote. But the way he kind of executes it, like, he's got great superhero landing, he's going to do a superhero landing. And I think he does it in the second film, because that is so painful. <laughs> but why do we do this? Making the jokes to uh, the agent guy saying, shit, we're within 500 yards of his school, so you, you, you may want to keep your head down. And he says, is there anything else I can help you with? He says, well, I assume uh, not helping kids into a panelled van. Yeah. But other than that, 
I'm not going to do it, but essentially the whole conversation he has with Dolpinder in the second taxi ride. Just, yeah. just all from start to finish when he, they find out he's got Buntu in the trunk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Looking There's back a... at those taxi journeys now, it makes a lot of sense that he leaves his weapon duffel bag twice in his ammo bag. They've cut the budget. And it's like, that's uh... a good way of just kind of making sure it's just handguns. Well, they, they have an interview with um, the directors where they say, usually if you have this many references in a superhero film, it's going to be pandering to the, the superhero audience and you're going to have these references, as we said earlier, with um, uh, Negasonic and Warhead, where they changed uh, like her powers, where the references would be all to do with like intricacies of the comics, where they said they don't want any reference in the film that you have to Google when you get home to work out. Mm. They want every reference to be like pop culture. I mean, he has a reference to Subway Jared in this, doesn't he, where he says... Uh, Phenomenal. Nice to see you, Jared. I'll take the foot long fully loaded. Already knows. He's already out as a nonce at this point as well, which cracks yeah. me up, which made me laugh <laughs> even further. And that would have been close to the, the like final cut because he was convicted 2015. And mm. this came out in 2016, so... Maybe they had it already in there. I don't know. Unless Ryan Reynolds seen it and pinged it over to one of them. He's, he's dropped the yeah. voice note over to the director. Jared Fogel. Wow. Well, Weasel's telling him that he needs to wear a mask. And <laughs> he's saying a thick mask all the time. I'm sorry, you are haunting. Your face is the stuff of nightmares. <laughs> like a testicle with teeth. You will die alone. I mean, if you could die, ideally, for other sake. <laughs> Deadpool saying, I'm about to do to you what Limp Biscuit did to the music in the late 90s. Limp Biscuit had some anthems. <clears throat> We've had this conversation before, so no comment. What, you disagree? You don't think he had some anthems? He had maybe one. Rolling? Yeah. I might give you that. My way, uh, me had two. My, My way, way as well. Yeah, I'll give you those two. All that break stuff. Nope. What's that mental rock festival that was there in the 90s? Warp Tour? What'd you say, Jack? It Warps Tour. No, it was a festival. I've got Columbine in my head and it's definitely not that. (laughs) Probably probably (laughs) not. I don't don't think that was very much of a party. Woodstock. Woodstock 96. Um, but there's 96 a clip of him, 99. There's a clip of him doing break stuff uh, at Woodstock in 99. I think it was Andrew Schultz said that's where white people peaked as a whole. When you see that <laughs> crowd that, in there. I think that's where, um, like, that's also like the turning point for that festival. Because people yeah. were like pissed enough and whatever else and they did actually just start breaking stuff. <laughs> yeah, the 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 video of it is is unreal. Mm. I remember they did a nails stuck in nails work. <laughs> it was like the first live music thing I went to. I think I was like fourteen. And I like, smoked my first cigarette there as well. And they like tried to make it like Woodstock. And it was just nails work in Stroud. You always see mm. random like festival posters pop up around Gloucester and Cheltenham, yeah. where when it's not some odd like. D&B rave where there's just the most ridiculous things in the world. There'll always be someone odd like 
these days you'll see like the Kaiser Chiefs popping up and then someone else ran on. And you think, who are these people putting together this festival? Yeah. You'd sooner not put it together. It's all like <clears throat> scouting for girls when Gloucester. <laughs> Out of the fire, the boys. <laughs> Weasel yeah. played in registry not long ago. Trust Weasel, class. Any more quotes? No, I think I'm good. Yeah, if you want any more before we continue? Oh, I, I, I mean, we, I could quote the entire film, but yeah. I think those are probably the best ones. I was so uh, pity the dude who pressed yeah, her into prom sex after she's just exploded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some of the best love stories start with murder. <laughs> I did enjoy when she says to him, you guys going for a bite early bird special? And he says... Oh, there's nothing, well, there's something wrong with eating before sundown or saving money. <laughs> just a just a little one. I do do absolutely adore the fact that his missus whispers Happy International Women's Day into his ear before starting to, to peg him. He's <laughs> <laughs> just like, nope, nope, nope. nope. <laughs> David Beckham in Hollywood went from being bad mouthed in this to, as I always say, getting his twenty minute cameo in King Arthur. <laughs> Yeah. Hey. So. he's in it that often I actually don't feel like it can be called a camera <laughs> so it went up for him Sean a question for you now as it's regular in Marvel films does Stan Lee get in the Rex Ryan Hall of Fame I'd say yeah probably I think it hits the criteria I agree, it probably does give a bit of a boost to the Rex Ryan Hall of Fame as well. We need a bit mm. of prestige back in, especially, especially <laughs> in this bracket. Because we, we do. I we think do. Like Dan Marino is one of our like, biggest names in this year's draft class. So. <laughs> he's quite, he's a big name though. That's two, that's two stellar names. Yeah, we've got Anthony Kiedis this year, but I mean, it was, it was stacked. It was stuck last year. We had sure. Bill Gates sure. in from the South Park movie. You keep saying last year as if it's, it's still the hey. same year. Well, you say that when the Premier League season starts in September and you still say kind of last year when you're referring to the season before. Yeah, it's true. 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 And we are as prestigious as that. <laughs> Sean, I'll stick with you. Best moment slash scene? Uh, for me... I've got the bridge scene. So I guess it's the, the first fight and the one that they go back to a couple of times also. Um, then you've got the part, actual... as we said, that is half of the film. Well, I'll go for the, the actual first, the first time it's seen then. And then the taxi ride and taxi journey, for the first part. And then obviously it ends at the point where it says, but I'll take you back to before I squeeze this ass into spandex. Um, do you want to spoil Deadpool 2 this week for anyone that may fancy a rewatch? <laughs> no, no. I can't actually remember. I don't even know if I've seen it. I'll have wow. to rewatch it. Uh, or watch Jack, it best moment slash scene for you? Um, I think it's when Colossus is making his hero speech at the end. And he's got the gun to Francis' head. Then halfway through, you're thinking, oh, he's going to turn good, he's going to go with the X-Men, he's going to get into that franchise, and halfway through his speech, he gets shot straight in the head, and just ends it, and Colossus throws up. I think, with all the action that's in there, as brilliant as it all is, well, I just perfectly summed up how I see Deadpool as a character. Just, nah, fuck it, kill him. (laughs) 
Keenan? Um, I've got a few. <laughs> I'm going to give it, but I've got, I've got a few. So like the taxi rides, um, the shagging calendar, as I've so eloquently put it, just cracks me up every time. <laughs> it did crack me up. But I'm going to give it to the revenge slash soup montage. Okay. I think I'll go. I'll go for him uh, when he tries taking out a colossus and starts breaking every bone in his body. <laughs> Close second would probably be his hand growing back, <laughs> stroking the chin. The, the blind woman, yes, <laughs> saying, uh, "Your hands feel very small." And where he goes from there. Um. All right. Best side character in this one. Who who would you go for? Old woman, weasel, his bird. This is probably the first one where it's actually quite difficult to choose. Just if you've missed out my guy, Dolpender. I'm getting on to him. He's my grand finale there. He'd also be my pick. Yeah, he'd be mine as well. With a close second being the blind woman. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. Weasel for me. Yeah, I'm going Weasel. Mm. All right. And the kill count I did have written down. Did I say it? No. It is... I may have to come back to that. 58. 58. Okay. Yeah. And then with the raised budget for the second film, there's 125. So <laughs> there we go. All right. If we go on to actually, Sean, do you have any uh, hypotheticals for us this week? I'm guessing no. No, I went for this week was going to be what would be the most you'd give away to have superpowers. What do you mean the most? So where, obviously he doesn't have a choice in it, but Ryan Reynolds ends up looking like he does, or Deadpool ends up looking like he does. Yeah, my way of wording this was, how many extra years would you need to look like Deadpool? Well, I suppose you could go for that, but... Either way. The answer both. I guess it depends what what superpowers you're being offered as well. Hmm. Uh... Well, I don't know. Let's say, would you take, would you take Deadpool? Including all the fucking running around being a mercenary and just battling the fuck out of people as well. Or just the ability not to die. Uh, well, yeah, so you're still your own personality, I guess. So it's just the ability not oh, to die, but then what you end up doing. Well, I'm stuck, it, stuck as me for a couple of hundred years. <laughs> yeah, shit. Absolutely not, mate. <laughs> no chance. What? If if you have to look like if you just have uh, your skin morph like a Deadpool then Keenan, how many extra years are you needing tagged on to the end of your life? Well, I mean, I don't know if you've seen me recently, but it ain't. Trust me, it ain't that falling that far down if I can order. You don't um, look like a cross between <laughs> Hellboy and Freddy Krueger. I look like a cross between the Michelin Man and the kid from the donut shop. Um, I don't know, mate. I don't. I, I don't. I don't <laughs> What's going on? Someone sounds like they've fallen over. <laughs> Carry on. You good? Someone needs to pull it. It wasn't me. My money would be on Sean. I'm right. 
Well, that only needs one person then. Jack, you alright, mate? Yeah, I'm fine. It's not, it's not it. <laughs> My money's still on shoot. I'm guessing he <laughs> went for a wee and tripped. <laughs> um, I don't even know where we were, mate. You, uh, were saying about how awful you look. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Familiar topic. Don't worry. Um, I don't think I want it. Genuinely, I don't think I want it. If I could be a mortal and look like actual Ryan Reynolds, you could take, <laughs> you could pretty much take anything from me. I was thinking one I just said then about, um, what superpowers would it be when, with Sean's question he posed. Have you ever heard hmm. anyone answer invisibility to that and not look to them like they are an absolute creep? Would it shock you to know that I, I've given that answer previously? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you would, uh, Uncle Ben's style, great power comes great responsibility. Honestly, when I when someone asked me, I was about 11 and my first thought was, fuck it, I'm robbing a bank. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not the answer I thought you were going to go with there. I remember going yeah. back... Well, you're going to bring the 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 fappening part two. (laughs) No, no. Well, that question you asked like a couple of weeks ago about um, like interview questions, like one that's just come out. I remember I got asked if you could have a superpower, what superpower would you be in an interview question? I mean, you can't be saying invisibility. If you're a superpower, you wouldn't be working there. So why why would they ask? (laughs) Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Sorry, go on. I actually said. um, I said control minds, so not just read minds, but be able to control them, so you can control what someone thinks. Again, also creepy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true, but I figured you'd kind of still be able to live a bit of a normal life, whereas if you yeah. always read people's minds, you'd go insane. No, I mm. think it would be like, um, uh, what? <laughs> Sean, is that you making that noise? What You're wrapping up Christmas presents. No. Oh, what are you doing? I was going to say, with, um, with, Reading minds. Have you ever played Football Manager where the budget you've got is too much and it's just not fun anymore? Because you can just yeah. buy whoever you want. If you can control everyone's mind, I feel like it'd be a bit like that. It just wouldn't be too, wouldn't be that fun anymore. Yeah, I get I get yeah. what you mean. Yeah, that is true. All right. Well, if we go on to John Wick, then um, I don't believe Sean did homework there. I do think he thought that question on the spot, which is disappointing. If he's going to tell me no, otherwise. I didn't think of that before. Yeah. Think about before. I'd like to say I'd take your word, but no one's owned up to making that noise yet, so my money is still <laughs> on you. Uh, John Wick, then. An ex-hitman comes out of retirement to track down the gangsters that killed his dog and took everything from him. Sean, are you a fan of the film? Uh, yeah. Not as passionately as I think um, well, Keenan and, and Jack are, and I don't, I'm not sure what your thoughts are, but I am a fan. It's not as big. What the hell are these <laughs> noises? Who is that? <laughs> that one was sure. me, genuinely. What did you do? No, no, I think mean, that was me. I was just grabbing some off the edge of my bed. <laughs> it sounds like you were ripping one out. No, I, I thought he was on a motorbike. Genuinely, I was grabbing an Astro. What's sick. What's wrong? You not to be smoking and killing your lungs during this podcast. Sean driving you to wow. nicotine. <laughs> uh, I think it's an, I think it's an all right film. I've, yeah, we'll get on to it. So <laughs> critics reviews. <laughs> Sorry, 
No, I was just going to say that it's just so full of action. I can see it winning a lot of the categories. It's a hey, I don't, I don't I think it's, disagree I think it's, there. I think it's a brilliant film. Um, do they need to make three of them? I don't know. I've not seen any of the sequels. Yes, they do. <laughs> They're making a four, so. <laughs> yeah, can't wait. Can't wait. Um, number one, number one, good. The second one, it dips off a little bit. The third one, roaring back with a vengeance. Unbelievable. Someone messaged me the other day when I said that we were doing this film, and they said the third was the worst film they've ever seen. Incredible. Who, who was it? Uh, his, his name rhymes with Jack Snackton. Shame. I had a lot of respect for him. <laughs> All right. Critic reviews. For a dour narrative about death, loss, and violence, it's surprisingly good natured. John Wick is the slick, empty, cruel hero the age of Trump deserves. But hey, at least he likes dogs. <laughs> Political. Directed by long t- directed by longtime stuntmen David Leach and Chad Stahelski, it is exactly the sort of movie you would expect from longtime stuntmen. Brutal, close-up fighting, nearly non-stop gunplay, and the slightest story legally allowed. Stylishly violent and not much else. Disrespectful. Uh, I mean, it doesn't take a lot to follow the film. And I know that we've said we're fans of that before. But I feel that the way they execute the actual kind of violence in it is brilliant. Because my pet peeve, like I've said in the pod before, is people holding guns wrong, people firing from the hip bad guys just running straight at the enemy even though they have guns and they'd be looking for cover. Whereas this is kind of like exactly how you would imagine a special ops person to be breaching buildings and shit like that. John Wick changes his stance three times in this film as to how he holds a gun to suit the situation. Yeah, exactly that. So It does make a lot of sense when you read that both the directors were formerly stuntmen and this is their first directorial job. Yeah, sure. They've seen your trivia as well, but Keanu did yeah. all his training as well, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's perfectly set up and choreographed like, to a T, and that's what makes it so good. I mean, if if it was a film where the stunts and the kind of violence was slapdash, it probably wouldn't <laughs> have the same kind of resonance as John Wick has as a name now. Uh, why does it work? That's probably a better question. On paper, this movie falls somewhere between Commando and Taken in terms of getting from point A to point B. But in execution, John Wick just feels like a special journey. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Keanu, but you stole my time and you murdered my brain cells. (laughs) I I don't don't agree with that, but it's hilarious. Um... An ex-hitman and his dog, who has such a sad plotline, I'm not even going to delve into the question of whether you should give someone a pet as a present. The violence is a murderous ballet in a compelling underground world of self-contained perfection. John Wick is the platonic ideal of a disposable action movie. It gives you everything you want, nothing you don't, and gets you in and out of the theatre. Do you agree this could have been avoided if he hadn't just been given a pet 
as a present. Probably. If they wouldn't have killed the dog and they nicked the car, it probably don't happen. (laughs) A pretty humourless and violent film which grinds on and on and on with more and more gleaming black SUVs getting trashed. I mean, it starts off with a dog dying. It's hardly going to be a barrel of laughs, is it? Um, It's a film where there's almost no plot and what plot there is is totally predictable. So it's just a series of gun battles and after five minutes or so, you get heartily sick of it. I I kind of... I don't even think a gun shot in the first fucking five minutes. No, it starts with him doing the classic deep breathing and on his last legs to show that he's a gritty kind of guy. I agree with that in parts, but I feel that it's a lot more enjoyable than he made out. But it is just a series of gun battles and I guess it's one of those films that you kind of disengage your brain, turn it on and just enjoy it for what it is. Well, when you're trying to do the missions on uh, Pokemon and you have to walk through the grass and you just get a rat attack catching <laughs> yeah. you every, like, two seconds. <laughs> That's a great analogy, yeah. Just like that. <laughs> Without any recognisable humanity to his characters, John Wick remains a disposable piece of violent revenge fantasy, the latest version of which always seems to be more tiring than the last. <sighs> I think it is that, isn't it? Because we just, when something bad happens to someone, you love being them re- take the revenge. It's just, <laughs> I think it must be human nature. Like, if someone, I, I genuinely think if someone killed my dog, I would probably, I wouldn't have the same resources as training <laughs> as John Wick. But it would go a similar kind of path. Probably uh, just end up me driving a car through someone's front room. <laughs> the next one uh, it is blood, death, and noise. <laughs> <laughs> the weird thing is, is that... like, I, I love all these negative reviews, and but I can kind of, I, I totally get what they're saying. But I just don't agree with them. And then finally, if Keanu Reeves can make a comeback with John Wick, then I hope John Wick can make a case that there's an audience for cheesy action flicks of yesteryear in modern cinema. Nah, I wouldn't say it's cheesy at all. I think it's the realism that makes it what it is. Realism? I'm not having this for John no, Wick. No, as in like the way, it's not cheesy, is it? It's not cheesy pie action. It's well thought out, well choreographed kind of action. Like I said, it's one of those where that's how you'd expect a special forces person to be able to wield a gun. Well, I guess cheesy in the sense that the, the the plot is as thin as it can be, and it's just kind of a shoot 'em up, which I'd say is a cheesy action film. But yeah, it's not cheesy in the same way the cranks cheesy, or it's not cheesy. No, in the same yeah, way, exactly. Yeah, I would. I'm, yeah, it is one of those different types different. of cheese. It's like, do you remember ever playing Time Crisis down at the arcade? Yeah. Where you've got um got the gun, obviously, and you can pop in and out, and it is literally just the same thing just in different stages with different kind of settings. It's it's pretty much like that. Just an arcade game. Yeah, I had more fun playing them than I did watching John Wick, but I did have fun playing them, so take that as you will. Trivia then. According to Keanu Reeves, he did 90% of his own stunts in this film. Director Chad Stahelski was Keanu Reeves' stunt double in The Matrix. So, nice little crossover there. Uh, 
bacon grease was placed on Keanu Reeves' face to attract his dog to jump on him when he wakes up in bed. This is probably the most unrealistic part of the film, because having recently got a new puppy myself, there is absolutely no way that dog's not chewing up his entire bedroom that he's trying to sleep, or pissing all over the floor. <laughs> when, he, when he wakes him up, and he says, oh, you need to go, like, there is absolutely no way like a few-day-old puppy is potty trained. Cause I it does that after you've just decorated. Yeah, You exactly. could be doing a reverse John Wick. <laughs> or going and shooting all the dogs in the world. <laughs> King Herod <laughs> style. <laughs> Overlook that he gives his dog cornflakes so he can't be bothered to just pop to the shop and get some pedigree or whatever he needs to do. <laughs> so Other brands are available. With milk, with milk as well. Well, Sean, we're trying to get our sponsorship. <laughs> we'll do the new uh, It's Gonna Taste Great Frosties advert. Whatever happened to that kid? Multiple different things, apparently. So, <laughs> um, While shooting a scene with a stuntman, Michael Nykvist cut his head so badly that his ear was resting on his right shoulder. Oh. This resulted in 80 stitches. Some of the last scenes had to be redone to hide the scar. Christ. Uh, in the original script, the character of John Wick was written with a man in his mid-60s to play the role. Given the title character's fabled reputation, the filmmakers had initially imagined an older actor. However, head of Thunder Road Pictures decided against this, stating instead they decided to look for someone who's not literally older, but who has a seasoned history in the film world. And they've done it perfectly. Yeah. Keanu Reeves... Sorry. It's like weighing up the two films that Ryan Reynolds was perfectly double. It's almost as if they wrote this film knowing that Keanu Reeves was going to be John Wick. Because, again, I don't really know who else you would kind of put in it. It's not one of those films where Jean-Claude Van Damme back in the day would have films written for it. Well, it's, it's like overlooked it. now because of how well John Wick actually did. But John Wick needed, uh, Keanu Reeves needed John Wick as much as John Wick needed Keanu Reeves. The, the run of yeah. films he was coming off. That's true. I know he's become a Twitter guy now where people make out like he's just always been loved, but he was on a horrible streak. Considering mm. the last big film he did was that um, The Day the Earth Stood Still, which bombed horribly. Horrific film. Mm. And he'd done Constantine, he'd finished with The Matrix, and he was kind of easing into nothingness. Yeah. And then it just so happens to, <laughs> that he falls, well, I guess. Both work for both of them, as we just said, but a gold mine in yeah. John Wick. Uh, Keanu Reeves' preparation for the role included weapons and martial arts training, eight hours a day for four months. Fuck. How about that for a bit of prep? Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel I like, think... coming off the back of the Matrix, wouldn't you already know this stuff? Maybe even though rusty. Yeah. Uh, According to a cast interview, both producer uh, Basil Iwanek and Keanu Reeves referenced the number 84 as being the total number of kills by John Wick. Uh, the building used for the Continental Sanctuary is the same one used in the stock exchange scene in The Dark Knight Rises. No way. Lance Reddick plays the hotel manager whose name is Sharon. In Greek mythology, Sharon is the ferryman of Hades. You have to pay Sharon for safe passage, 
Hence why Lance Reddick puts the gold coin in his pocket at the hotel. John, in a sense, is paying for safe passage. It's not even in a sense. I mean, it's literally one of the rules of the Continental. Once you're in there, you can't be killed. Well, be, oh, they're going by the mythical way, so that's the exchanges you have with uh, Hades. No, I get that, but it's not not even in a sense. I mean, it's literally, I, Ian McS- he meets Ian McShane, he tells him inside the first minute and a half, no business conducted on these grounds. There was a whole film about that with the Hotel Artemis. Something like that. I mean, yeah, it's, it. it's not. It's um, it's, it's, right, it is Jodie Foster. I can't remember. It was. It was a. It was an enjoyable but forgettable film. No, I don't think it's Jodie Foster. But I know. I, do, I have seen it's it. It's someone like that. Yeah. Um, according to director's interview, Chaz Stahelski and David Leach reused quite a few of the stuntmen several times throughout the film. In order to make them look like different people, they would change their hair. So if you look, scenes at the start of the film show enemies with long hair and enemies at the end of the film progressively less hair or a bold by the end of it. Um, well, yeah, John Wick... How many stuntmen are there, actually, that can do this? Yeah. You killed him. John Wick was supposed to be named Scorn, but Keanu loved the name John Wick so much that the directors agreed to change it. So the film was also called Scorn as well. So. It's one of them that after you hear, once you know what the title is, it doesn't seem it just it just fits perfectly. Yeah, in Brazil, the film was just called Back in Business. So there you go. Um, casting what ifs, as you can imagine, with a role like this, you're gonna have plenty here. So Sylvester Stallone, Dolph Lundgren, John Claude Van Damme, Bruce Willis, Kurt Russell, Nicolas Cage, Kevin Costner. Johnny Depp and Jason Statham were all considered on a shortlist for the role of John Wick. Producer Derek Colston originally wanted Johnny Depp for the role, but he turned it down, so Keanu Reeves got the role instead. Wow. Friend of the pod, Kevin Costner. You can see Johnny Depp doing a good job here. Nick Cage. (laughs) Nicholas Cage, unfortunately, just can't be silent for long enough. (laughs) Yeah, he ain't got that strong and silent type in him. He hasn't for a while. Yeah, he does a decent job in Drive Angry. Underrated film, that as well. Amber Heard, dude, the less said about the better. But she's on that. Because smoke shit. Yeah, she is. Uh, Al Pacino, Michael Douglas, Bruce Dern, Robert De Niro, Christopher Walken, Rutger Hauser, Liam Neeson, and Christopher Waltz were considered for the role of Winston. I love Ian McShane, but there's a couple of them that you think would actually be class. Especially as the films go on and he gets more involved. Christopher Waltz or uh, get Christopher Walken in there for me. Pacino, I wouldn't have minded seeing. No, I wouldn't mind if Pacino was John Wick. He ain't doing his, he ain't, he ain't fucking doing any of action scenes. Well, if we're going by the earlier mid sixties kind of uh, role that they originally had, he's generous. You think Al can still pass the mid sixties? Yeah. Chad Stahelski and David Leach were concerned about how the audience would react to all of the death within the film, especially the puppy. So when casting the character of Yosef Tarasov, they wanted someone who, in their words, looked like a complete prick. Consequently, <laughs> they met Alfie Allen, and though they thought he was a lovely bloke, they did also think he looked perfect for the role. I've literally <laughs> got in my notes that Alfie Allen plays the prick in everything that he's in, with Game of Thrones and Theon, and now this. It's just 
class. Arsenal fan as well, so some people may say he carries it into his everyday life as well. In an interview for Screen Junkies on in 2017, Chad Stahelski and David Leach mentioned how there was an alternate ending for the film, which had John simply shooting Vigo and killing him. But they decided to use the other version of the ending where the two men fight. Um, the director's commentary, they also say that the first cut of the movie was two hours and 20 minutes long. They didn't reveal much about the 40 minutes of footage that was cut, but they did mention that the ending fight scene between John and Vigo was cut down after they acknowledged that Vigo shouldn't really pose a big physical threat to John. Um, He also said there's just a ton of great shots on the cutting room floor that's Keanu Reeves walking in cool places. Hmm. May have just turned into that Only God Forgives film, which me and Sean saw at the cinema where, right before we went in, we saw the trivia that Ryan Gosling said like 17 words. Is that the one it's just, you? Is it's that just, just him getting boxed up. No, that's um, uh, Place Beyond the Pines. Okay. Only God Forgives is basically Ryan Gosling getting boxed up in China for two hours while they do like weirdly long shots of just nothing. They, I remember reading something about it where they said they took the point where in the test screenings the audience said like. Yeah, that's long enough. And then added like five seconds to each shot. <clears throat> just to try and be artsy. So that is all of the trivia. Rewatchability then. If we go to Keenan and Jack first. Do you want to go first, Jack? Yeah. I, I mean, it's, again, it's one of those that you could turn it on 20, 30, 40 minutes in. You're not feeling like you're missing out on much of the storyline, but you'd watch it just for the action sequences. So, yeah, I must have watched it about four or five times just because I like the action bits. So, yeah, I'm you, going definitely rewatch it. You agree, Keenan? I fucking love this film. I will watch it whenever. I would watch, I, I will watch the trilogy in, in a sitting. I adore these films. <laughs> There's the actually I... like nothing up. Cool. I was like, there isn't anything I don't like about this film. The second one's okay, and then the third one, like I genuinely adore, them. and I really like the first one. I don't. I'll just like I'm bite. I've had to bite my tongue to watch or reading some of these reviews. Well, I'm gonna. I quite strongly disagree with just about everything you've just said. Um, <laughs> oh, <fuck laughs> well, for for me, the rewatchability, as much as you want it to be an easy watch. You have to care, and there's no one in this film that I cared about. My guy, John Wick. Don't care about him. The dog wasn't around long enough for me to be that fussed. So the puppy, come on. They didn't even really drag it out. Like, look, hold him hostage or something, and maybe I might yeah, cling on a bit uh, more. With like I Am Legend, you have you get some affinity with the dog, like as, as an example, when the dog does eventually go. There's, yeah. there's some sadness there, but yeah, this one you, you barely get to see the dog before it's gone. Also, they, they build up just about like how hateable um, Alfie Allen's character is, as we've just kind of gone over. The, the way they kill him is disappointing for me. Like If I'm watching, say, Gladiator, and as much as we said, that isn't rewatchable, at least if I'm tuning in, I know the payoff at the end, I am getting the, the big climatic death. With this, it's kind of, uh, there's nothing much to it. 
let him have his last words so I can see him grovel. Let me shoot him like that. For John Wick, if it's went the same way up until the point where they reveal him saying about him being the boogeyman, where you start having the um, like text come up on the screen like they do in Man on Fire, if it carried on in that tone, I think I'd have loved it because when I first watched it and when I watched it again last night, up till that point, I'm I'm fully invested. I think it's really cool that three men, three men in the bar with a pencil, the way everyone's so shocked and saying, oh, we can't do that to John Wick. And then after that, it's kind of, I, I don't, I don't care about anyone there. What's his name? Uh, William Defoe was irritating me every, every time he pops up. Because Why? I don't have, for a start, I always thought he looked like, if you got a more well-groomed but worse version of Mel Gibson, then that's basically him. I remember him as being Norman Osborn, which the less said about those films, the better. And I just don't... I think you need some kind of grip, whether it's to how hateable the character is that you want to see the big payoff, or with how good... You might shoot me here. I actually don't think the action scenes are as good as we're as good as we're told they're going to be as well. <laughs> I don't. I genuinely don't think there's a film. They're, they're, I don't think we'll come across a film where they are better. You went the, out the raid. The, the action scenes in the raid are better. You went out to bat for crack. What every every action scene in the in, in the, the raid you think is better than John Wick? If we if we're doing a um, average score for the uh, the action scenes across both films. The raid blows out of the water. Nah, not for me. I take the action scenes from Deadpool over John Wick. Again, nah, not for me. <laughs> oh yeah, I can, I can kind of see both points, and just from from what Jack was saying, that there is that element of that. You know, you don't have to be focused, you have to concentrate. It's just action. It's easy to watch, and and you can get some enjoyment out of that. But I think I do sit on on your side with the sense of. Yeah, I don't have an affinity for the character to care about or want to see this this ending. Um, it's just kind of action. A lot of it feels like it's action for action's sake, rather than a, a that affinity grows. Kind of story that, affin- that affinity will grow as you. If we're only doing John Wick one here. Oh no, but nonetheless, <laughs> with, with this, I know the first one. They announced the second one was coming out. I know you're a fan of this film. Vigo, so he's obviously the, the final boss, so to speak. Yeah. Do you not think it would have been a, a bigger payoff if you take the dad out and then you've got Alfie Allen groveling his way through and he's the final boss, so to speak? You can have him throwing some cheap shots in there, maybe catches John Wick in the back of the leg with a knife or something like that. But ultimately, he's the final guy to get iced. Because he so seems can... the whole way through as being the guy and then it just isn't. No, I I always assumed it was done because it just to show his ruthlessness. So bang, as though it it's a weird way, it's a weird take maybe, and it might be a weird way to shoot it. But someone who's still important, bang, they're just another one. And it, I got gone. why, but the whole the whole that scene is ridiculous because we're told what like a lethal marksman. John Wick is, and he is for ninety percent of the film. That the scene where he goes into um, the like pool where they all are, 
suddenly he can't hit the target for love nor money. He's like Giroud in a big game for Arsenal. Go back to the Montpellier game where the the uh, Monaco game, sorry, where some of the worst striking I've ever seen. That is John Wick in that scene. The classic where they're running across and you think someone with that ability, when they're running at a set speed like that, it's not bobbing or weaving. It should be easy to take out. He somehow escapes. When he's... He runs behind glass. Yeah, but you can still see him. Right. When he's, so as, when as he's, he shoots him, what do you want him to do? The bullet, as he's at moving, least hit. I want him to is, make like, a connection. Again, I'm, I'm no ballistics effort, uh, expert in the slightest. And surprisingly, for someone who loves John Wick so much, I'm actually quite anti-gun. Um, it's a paradox. But surely, as a bullet hits something solid, I don't know the thickness of the glass, but there's going to be some form of refraction. Well, he can work it out. He's meant to be John Wick. <laughs> now, don't get me started, because the, the, the next thing, the scene where the guy's playing the video games, um, has told him stop. He's worried that there's people around there. He's armed guards in there with him. Yeah. He's sniping from range. The yeah. first guy he takes out is the one playing the video game as his way of making the jump on them. Yeah, I do agree. I do actually agree with you there. It makes no sense. That that part, I even thought as I was watching it last night. But I still love it. Bang, straight in the head and then doesn't. It makes no sense that he leaves the one bloke, the only other guy on the roof, with a fucking long-range rifle till last. And the, the, the reason I'm moaning is because it's, it's, it's frustrating because I don't dislike the film. I think it's it okay, like which it is even... It's, no, I think it's okay, which is even worse. I'm real. I have no real feeling other than if it's brought up to me about it being like the guy. Like I can name several films we've got in this bracket alone that do this film better than this film. Go on. Taken, number one. No. Because at least you have some kind of feeling for what Liam Neeson is doing in the film and what he's trying to achieve at the end of it. This is like... Yeah, I, don't, I don't feel anything there. I don't think you, but I don't think you have to. I don't like, I, that's not like, I, I don't need an affinity for John Wick. If I had an affinity for assassins in general, I'd probably be some form of sociopath. <laughs> I, I don't No, but you need, need some to... kind of, whether it's for hating the people that he's against or I mean, spurring him on. He can just be a natural force, mate. I, th- I think, as they say, the stick they get. I have more emotion rooting for people in a Fast and Furious film for all the stick they get than I do John Wick here, just because his dog's been killed. If it was a cat, right. maybe it'd be a bit different. Yeah, fairly I, I poor example because the old first three Fast and Furious is just professed lo- about things about loyalty and a spouse shit that is supposed to make you have an affinity for them. Hey, there man. isn't. Uh, it, there's no. There isn't that from John Wick. That dog wasn't ride or die, so look. You don't know that. He never got a chance to show his true colours, did he? He was only about He did. Like first thing days. first thing that happened, John Wick's asleep. This dog does a runner. This dog's not there backing up John Wick till it's too late. Mate, he does he the pays, dr- pays the ultimate sacrifice. Yeah, he does the drill but Taylor fight when you know it's too late. Oh, uh, look, if the dog hides properly, he's probably he's still alive he's still alive, isn't it? 
So he comes back. So you're blaming the dog, you're victim shaming. <laughs> wow. What do you want? If, if it's got his, got his head screwed on, it ain't now, is it? <laughs> I think he just didn't ever have the big payoff for me. Okay. Fair enough. Each their own. I will watch John Wick 2 at some point, though. Other, also, I watched. Okay. As I said, and we'll, we'll get on to the film. I watched, after hearing big things about both, uh, more so about John Wick, I watched John Wick and The Equalizer on back to back nights, and I thought The Equalizer was head and shoulders above. I'm yet to see The Equalizer. Denzel over Keanu as well. I think you like it. I like The Equalizer as well. I've only I was going to watch it and then me and Byron the, when we put the bracket for the pod together it was on there and I was, I did what sort of Byron by said before when you know something's on the bracket I don't want to watch it and then have to watch it six or seven weeks later yeah, and take yeah, the, sh- the shine yeah, off it I don't you so yeah. I'm, I've I've got it in in wait the equaliser isn't the black John Wick John Wick wishes he was the white equaliser <laughs> do you know someone actually that sounds like a critic as, review <laughs> yeah so someone we else should be doing these. The Equaliser is Black John Wick. And I didn't know, was that like an attitude thing or is that just because Denzel's black? I don't actually know. Basically, some guy gets wronged and then comes out of retirement, so to speak, to go through an army of people. So the same film Mm. you've seen plenty of times, but I think they came out a year apart. Okay, cool. All right, other category, other categories. Um, Best quote. Uh, I actually, there is a cut, there's obviously not going to be as many because he's supposed to be the stoic, strong, silent type. But I do like when Vito talks about John Wick and he says, we call him Baba Yaga, the boogeyman. John wasn't exactly the boogeyman. He was the one you sent to kill the, kill the fucking boogeyman. John is a man of commitment, focus, sheer will, something you know nothing about. Have you seen what that, in, in the myth, uh, Baba Yaga looks like in real life? Well, not um, real life, but it's, no. it's a woman with chicken's legs. That sounds absolutely terrifying. <laughs> yeah, but well, that's the point, isn't it? Yeah, I know, but a woman with chicken's legs, I'm backing that over John Wick. If you don't get near him, John Wick's popping. I once no, saw right. him kill him at, I once saw him kill three men in a bar with a pencil. Quite enjoyed that <laughs> one. He repeats that he says with a fucking pencil. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you like the fact just after he's taken out the 12 people in, in the house, the copper turns up, he's like, evening, John. Evening, Jimmy. Evening, John Wick's like, noise complaint. He's like, yeah, it's a noise, noise complaint. Are you working again? No, no, just sorting some stuff out. Sees a dead body on the floor and he's just like, all right, I'll sit in a bit. <laughs> I mean, no, no even attempt, no even attempt to get near him. He's like, right, I'll see you later. Vigo talking to my arch nemesis, uh, John Leguizamo, saying, I heard you struck my son. And I asked why. Well, because he stole John Wick's car, sir, and uh, killed his dog. And he just gives it the O. Which apparently, if you go through the film, there's several characters that quite simply just say O. And they were like subversively mocking the thing with Keanu Reeves saying, whoa, in all of his films. And so they had every other character in the film say O, but not Keanu Reeves say whoa. As it was what they thought was funny to themselves. No, I quite like that little in joke. Didn't mind that. Um, um, people keep asking if I'm back. I haven't really had an answer. Uh, so you can either hand over your son or you can die screaming alongside him. Yeah, that mm. was mine. Mic drop uh, moment, that. 
I do like when uh, just before William Willem Dafoe dies, he says your uh, Beatles system are oh, you're you're different because you get to go out on you you go out on my terms and he says uh, no no my good sir I go out on mine and then just starts just starts trying to kill people. The name William, I don't think you can ever be angry if someone calls you William. Um, I don't know. I Your mean, parents Willem... have done you dirty. At this, you can't blame other people. I mean, at this stage, William Defoe might be the exception that proves the rule because I feel like he's. I'll say that really... I called him William earlier. Mm. He's really, really well known, so I would assume he can probably get annoyed about it. Cause I'm sure he could just blame him. fucking William Defoe. What are you talking about? Also, because I'm sure you do this kind of thing and enjoy it. He's one where um, you can get quite lost if you just go on his IMDb or his wiki and so see oh, yeah, some yeah. of the roles he's done uh, through the years. Oh yeah, definitely. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, any more quotes? No, mine is... Uh, been... One that I like just before they kill her is Miss Perkins, your membership to the Continental by thine <laughs> own hand has been revoked. Best side character in this one? Winston or Marcus. You can count the dog if you want. No, Winston, Marcus. Would you... I was wondering whether you give Vito a side character. I think this is one of them where essentially everyone outside of John Wick and his main villain is probably a side character. Yeah, if that's the case, then I'm going to give it to Winston. So, yeah... I'm... I would. I'll. I'll give it to Aurelio. This is me uh, sending an olive bridges. branch to Leguizamo, even if he did <laughs> tell me to get back on the meds. Did he? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I. I kept tweeting him. This is a, a spoiler. <laughs> if you've not seen this film, it's from like 1978. It's an Al Pacino film where he uh, killed Charlie Lothar. Way. Not yeah. Five, isn't it? Oh, all right, well, I'm going night five anyway. Anyway, he uh, he's he's trying to stop Al Pacino escaping the mob life and all of this and have a nice, happy life with his family. And I kept tweeting him constantly every time he replied, saying, I can't believe you did that to Carlito, man. He just wanted to settle down and have a nice life with his wife and kids. <laughs> and then... He just replied back a couple of times, saying, "This guy, man, get back on the meds. This isn't real life." <laughs> I don't think. It, I think the sarcasm or the or or sort of went straight over. Yeah, even worse, the people sorry. that were replying, like this guy, this guy. How do you not know this is a film, man? I'm watching um, a series called Bloodline on Netflix at the moment. He's the bad guy in that currently. He is a he's, he's a good little one. You see him pop up in a film and. You get that little nod. Like, yeah. he's, he's, in, he's, in, he's in Chef with John Favreau. Great film, <laughs> if anyone's never seen it. I've not, but I did see he got a spin-off Netflix reality show off the back of it. He did indeed. Him and Roy Choi. Not sure, that's a great name, though. Thank you, Roy, Roy Choi. Choi. Apologies sure. if it's not. That's a great name. Um, I've got everyone's best side character there. I mean, we're going to go on to the categories, so. I think you've got mine and yours. Jack, uh, Sean? Um, mine's going to be William Defoe's character, because without him, John Wick dies. <laughs> mine's the Sean? same, yeah. Yeah, it's the same. 
I one of my few notes I wrote down during this film is um, that John Wick uses a cheat code in this. Uh, not John Wick, sorry, Aurelio. In that, if you're having an action film and someone's going to shoot you, if you grab the end of the gun and pull it towards your own head, it guarantees they're not going to shoot you. Every <laughs> film, when they pull it to themselves and say, go on, do it, do it, it freaks out the person that, that's, that's <laughs> going to do it each time and they just never pull the trigger. Very true. I don't know how many uses of that you get, though. <laughs> the one there time it doesn't work is probably the last time. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like the, as I referenced before, the, the drill bit Taylor, if you do the um, pretend fight, like hold me back, you are also sometimes just being held there for someone to sock you. <laughs> so you got you got to know your situation. Yeah. On to the categories then. So, Jack, which did you prefer, Deadpool or John Wick? Deadpool. Keenan? Sorry, mate, say that again. What was the question? Which did you prefer, Deadpool or John Wick? Uh, John Wick. Sean? You're muted if you don't know. Uh, Deadpool. Deadpool. I'm uh, I'm Deadpool too. Uh, Jack, rewatchability. Good Deadpool again, I think. Keenan. Deadpool. Sean. Yeah, it's Deadpool for me. Yeah. Keenan, back to you. Um, best quote. Deadpool. Jack? Would you like a specific one? Or you you can do if you, if, if you uh, if you want. I sometimes feel I like put people on the spot there. No, no. Uh, I I think it's you look like an avocado that has sex with a <laughs> child or avocado, but not gentle. Like hate fucking it. But they had a really bad relationship, and this was the only catharsis they could find. Mine's the uh, Liam Neeson one from Deadpool. Um, Jack. Yeah. Mine's Deadpool. Uh, Sean. Uh, yeah, Deadpool. It's probably the avocado one as well. <laughs> Um, best moment slash scene, Jack. Uh, best one's a tough one. I think the highway scene in Deadpool has to be has to take it. Oh no, I've missed out my favourite quote as well. I didn't even say it in the other one. It tickles me to this point, and I can't say this line in real life without saying it like Deadpool, when he's drawn the crayon photo, uh, picture of Francis and he's in the car, he holds it up and he goes have you seen this man? That, that just kills me. I can't believe I haven't, I haven't mentioned it. But yeah, that one. Yeah, your best moment seen Deadpool for you. Deadpool, yeah, in that moment. Keenan? John Wick. Sean? Deadpool for me, and uh, it's the highway scene as well. I feel like we've lost you there. Uh, it's, it's, it's Deadpool for me too. Uh, MVP, tough one. Sean, I'll go to you first. Um, Deadpool or John Wick is your MVP? Uh, yeah, it is quite a tough one. Um, but I'm going for Deadpool. Keenan? John Wick. Solely yeah. because... Sorry. Sorry, I was going to say because... Not for any like blind law, it's just because I think Deadpool has a more rounded 
supporting cast, if that makes sense. Yeah, John Wick's out being John Wick for 99% of the film, but there's more of a well-rounded support act for Deadpool. Uh, Jack? Yeah, I agree with that, to be fair. I'd say John Wick is what with Colossus and Teenage... What's it? Some supersonic Negasonic That's it Warhead Whatever it yeah, is Yeah He does get his ass saved A few times Yeah I, I will go uh, John Wick as well Mainly by Sean's criteria Which Does seem to make up Week by week So I'll go with What was <laughs> what agreed At the start of the bracket So uh, Not my interpretation of it Because I quite literally Asked you to spell out What it was We had this broken down <laughs> And it was essentially who, if you take out, like the plot falls to part with, and as we said, less help for Deadpool. So who's tucking, who's tucking away some grub right now? But it's not me for once. Cutlery. Definitely Sean, because he's been muting himself a lot, and I can hear his TV as well. I think. <laughs> Very rude. Very rude. Most menacing villain. Jack. I'm going to have to go Francis because I feel that Vigo is kind of like a soft underbelly, kind of he doesn't come across as the hard man that you expect the bad guy to be from a mobster. It kind of comes across as someone who's been at the top of his game for a while and just got gone soft a bit because he's constantly scared of John Wick. Yeah, I do love the phone call when he gives... Oh, I should, could have mentioned that as one of my favourite moments in the film. When he phones John and he just don't say anything and then he absolutely loses his arsehole. Yeah. Um, I, I think the guy who does a job of putting up a menace in front after the first scene is the lawyer or the American guy who I just always assume is his lawyer. I don't know why. Um, I think the in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. That's it, mate, yeah. But I, I think he does a good job of it. Like, when he turns up at Marcus's house and he's there and so on. But I do think v- Vito is almost there, like, for some of it, and I don't know what it is, but he's, just all, he's almost, he is actually a little bit of, like, relief in certain scenes. Yeah. I'll go for uh, Ajax. When he turns on the uh, deoxygenation machine for the second time, and the, the, the grin he has. Actually, one of my other notes I had down about Deadpool is um, about Ajax, actually. He seems to think that um, he's like Snoop in 93, Heisenberg 2012. Half of his lines are just saying, what's my name, for the first mm-hmm. half of the film. <laughs> yeah. Like it's his like, mic drop moment. And there's so much more menacing things he could be saying there. <laughs> but that's all, that's just what he goes for. So, Ajax yeah. would be, uh, my yeah, he, most menacing villain there. He also gets my pick. Yeah, it's Ajax for me as well. And I think going on to your point as well, it's, it's that second time he turns the oxygen tank on. Yeah. Um, best side character. Keenan? Dopinda. I agree. Jack? <laughs> I'm tempted to, yeah. I'll go and weasel. But Deadpool still. Sh- Sean? <laughs> well, I, was, I did have weasel written down, but um, I'm mean, tempted to put Depinder now. So I'm tempted, is that who you are going for? Yeah, yeah. I'll go for Depinder. Um, 
Sean, action per minute. Uh, tough one. I'll probably go for John Whip, though. I don't think this is one is that, so I think John Whip would be my pick here. Yeah, John Whip. Yeah. I'm more saying it's tough because ha, ha, I just didn't really enjoy John Whip that much, so. Shoot, come on, I'll stop this. <laughs> what we said earlier about the actors just saying anything when they do their media. So I saw earlier that the woman that plays um, John Wick's wife, who's in it for all of about 30 seconds, says mm-hmm. she refused to read the entire script because she didn't want it to affect how she viewed John Wick. You're in it for about 30 seconds, and most of the time we're seeing the back of your head or your body. <laughs> what did she think she was portraying in that, that she couldn't read the entire script? That was her way of just not doing her homework. These actors. She was getting paid the same regardless, wasn't she? So, you know what I mean? Yeah, she playing that. Uh, Keen in action per minute. John Wick. Jack? Yeah, John Wick. Agreed. Kill count. I did have this, didn't I? I said... I think it was 58, you 50, said, for Deadpool. Yeah, it? and it was nearly 80 for, 84 for John Wick, so... Takes the cake there. Most creative use of weaponry. I actually think there's a clear winner for this, but I wonder if anyone will agree. It's when Deadpool boots chops the bloke's head off and then boots it at another uh, another one of the villains. (laughs) I wrote that down. I didn't know if you could count three men in a bar with a pencil because we don't actually see it. Yeah, also, uh, I mean, you've also seen it time and time before. You've got to think Pesci does it in Casino. It's in the Sopranos, and I know they're pens, but... We have the Joker in, we won. Yeah, yeah, that's true, yeah. So, um, and that is actually a pencil. did win it that week, Did it not? It I did, no, it did It did win it that week. Uh, I think, yeah, it's booting the bloke's head. It's booting a decapitated <laughs> head, or a head that he decapitates. It's not as though he's, like, one off the floor. He tees it up, smashes a 30-yard volley at him. Essentially, with this category, if you slice something off and use it against him, that's the winner. Because we had that for Crank as well. Mm. And we had it last week. There was something else with someone's head being cut off, but sure. But yeah, I agree with you, Keen, and that would be my pick. Sean? Yeah, same. What are you watching on the TV that's really more entertaining? Same as... um... Same as Keenan, it's that same Deadpool scene. What are you watching on the TV? Nothing, it's someone else. Someone else? Who's there with you? Have you got a bird there? No, <laughs> different people in the house, isn't it? It makes me in lockdown. We've just, rum- we just, r- we just rumbled Sean there. Sheesh. <laughs> <laughs> um, did I take your pick for that, Jack? Sean threw me off. Uh, I'm going Deadpool, going for the cigarette lighter. Yeah, I actually agree with you because I had that down. Yeah. We had that with Man on Fire as well, didn't we? Cigarette lighter, I said that. It's just used to it I more didn't... creatively. Yeah. yeah, I didn't take, I did, I didn't take it as a weapon in Man on Fire because it's meant to stop the bleeding, but in this it is just a flat out weapon, isn't it? So. So we're not to swallow it. Yeah. Um, Best soundtrack. This this is gonna be incredibly one sided, surely. 
Yeah. Although I would mark Deadpool down by the fact that they they crop out the part where uh, DMX screams, "This is not a fucking game." <laughs> Surely you can include that. Yeah. If you're going to include the song, you've got to have that in there. <laughs> exactly. Hit the road, Jack is a great one as well, and the bad guys in the car um, mm. having their little jam on. Juice Newton, Morning Angel, one of my favourite songs. Great tunes in this. So, does anyone did anyone pick John Wick for this rather than me uh, go around all it? No, I don't. I, don't, I assume no, not. No. But it is that, uh, um, that the DMX moment is one of the best uses of music. Like similar to when the um, on the Hangover when um, Kanye dropped. It was yeah, like similar. Reminding of that in a way. It still punched just as well, even after seeing it in the trailer as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like one of my pet peeves has always been when you go to see a comedy, and particularly when before you could fast forward and rewind adverts and you'd see the same joke in a trailer about 80 times before you see the film and people would still like buckle over when you see it in the film and it, I would never understand it but this does still hit just as hard even after seeing it in every trailer for Deadpool that was like yeah when I was when the, I'm touching myself tonight scene yeah that, that was in every build-up advert like pre-movie trailer when you're at the cinema and then he said it in the film and it still had the impact which is great they, they marketed both the Deadpool films so well yeah, with just the little clips it was almost like little skits they did with him being like Bob Ross and all sorts mocking other superhero films there was one with Uncle Ben in, I'm pretty sure <laughs> yeah they did a great job there originality Jack it's difficult because John Wick follows the same action kind of blueprint as a lot of other films like Taken like we said in before but then Deadpool is also based on a comic book I think John Wick's based on a book as well I know that's what I mean I think I'm going to go Deadpool just because of the way it's executed and in regards to superhero movies it's the first time it's been done brilliantly like that so I'd have to say Deadpool for that originality side of things. I couldn't believe when we had the critics' reviews, and I believe when I looked, there was not one that said this isn't just this is more than just a superhero movie. Yeah, I could not believe it because everything else that isn't quite Superman in a cape gets that who same wrote, uh, treatment. The, sorry, yeah. sorry to interrupt. Mate. Who wrote the, I don't think John Wick was based on a book. Was it, it was. Um, it's based on a book, and because I read this earlier, and it's based on a story about a US Marine whose uh, wife gifted him a dog, and people broke into his house and he found the dog shot in his garden. And so this is a true story. And he tracked them down and called the police on them to have them arrested while they taunted him while he waited for the police. And he said that he killed enough people in his life that he didn't need to kill anymore. So the thing with um, the killing the people in a bar with the, with the pencil and a couple of the other scenes are kind of drawn inspiration from a book that the character is an inspiration from. And then they've taken this story about the Marine that went on a vengeance tour after killing his dog, but he didn't quite have the way to pull the trigger himself. And so it was kind of a, an amalgamation of those. Hmm. Okay. So not quite literally James Bond style taken from the book, but the, the the source material is kind of there for a couple of things to go into one. Okay. 
it was a very very uh, old one. There was a couple of things. So I'll send you it after because I, I I essentially didn't write it down because I couldn't pronounce it. Mm-hmm. There we go. Um, Deadpool would be my pick for originality. What about you, Keenan? Um, I have no idea, and I didn't really have an idea last night when I was trying to do it. Uh, Deadpool, because of obviously I know it's based it, the way they've taken the source material. I think basically what swings it for me is is as much as that critic hated it is all the meta four four stuff, which isn't original in itself because I mean, Woody, Woody, Woody Allen did it in Annie Hall in like fucking 1976 or whatever it was but the way it's used within that I really I think swings it for me Sean <clears throat> yeah yeah so it's Deadpool because of the way it's the way it's different to any other film but then it's a t- tough one because obviously Deadpool the character is a different character to lots of other superhero characters so but Still, in this one, that's the way I'm going to go. Um, Sean, stick with you. Bigger impact. Yeah, it's another hard one. Because if you look at John Wick's got three films, Deadpool's got two. Both quite big. Um, I've leaned towards Deadpool. Jack? I'm going Deadpool. Because of what it's done for the superhero genre, it's kind of we've seen a lot of films come out since that are kind of a bit more humorous, a bit like Venom. Yeah, like Venom follows the Deadpool mold, and it's created this dark adult version of a superhero movie that people didn't think could be done before. Um, whereas John Wick is kind of its impact is from someone else's fame, if that makes sense. That's why it's so good, because the blueprint it follows. Okay, so just to follow up on what I said before, Keenan, so um, the story, um, John, with the kind of, it's based around a 1970s thriller novel called uh, Shibumi by Rod Whittaker. And when he's heading into the airport, John Wick, um, and he gets waved in, by a security guard, and that's actually the author of the book, um, mm. who kind of drew, drew some inspiration there. But it was very lucid. Essentially, they took the three men with a pencil and a couple of other bits, just in terms. It's basically about a retired master assassin who's dragged back into the game. So, What's the name of the book, mate. Uh, Shibumi, S H I B U M I, by Rod Whittaker under the pen name Trevanian. Okay, thank you very much. I've just looked at the box office as well, and John Wick made eighty six million and Deadpool um made seven hundred and eighty three point one million box office. Yeah, and the seed <laughs> in Deadpool was the uh, highest seed. <laughs> yeah. I will uh, I assume by your answer will be Deadpool, but I will go up to bat for John Wick for the university inspired. Deadpool had if Deadpool was made when they originally wanted to make it, I don't think it makes 780 of million. It would, not it would not probably have been under the Marv MCU, so it would have been far too toned down. Not even that. Even if they did it exactly the same and you transported it 10 years before pre-Iron Man, it does ride the crest of a wave. And that, I know it sounds like I'm insulting the film, I'm not. I already told you. I think it's one of the most rewatchable films we'll, we'll do. 
Um, I think it's like an eight, an eight or a nine the whole way through. But my preference is just for John for the type of film. But I do think it did have the luxury of riding the crest of a wave, both for Ryan Reynolds and for the fact that Marvel, the MCU, had done a big enough job in the eight years preceding that they already captured a large fan base over a period of years. Because when Iron Man came out, I was quite young. I was like 13. Yeah. And then by the time Deadpool was coming out, I was a lot lot older, but I was already sucked into it. And I, not, I, I, think I can't imagine I'm that unique. Bigger impact where we spoke about it, I think you did for Old School, where you said as much where you look at what Vince Vaughn went on to do, you look at several others. I guess part of the biggest impact is of John Wick is rejuvenating Keanu Reeves. Mm. Making yeah, it relevant. Yeah, and Ian McShane got a boost off it. He went on to be an American Gods, um, which you have to assume essentially is off the back of that. I know he was in sort of Love Train, he was in Westworld as well, but he went on to do do American Gods. Um, I guess if if we were privy to the information, one of the biggest ways to tell impact in a thing like this would be um, look at John Wick's, and I'll try to use John Wick, look at Keanu Reeves' um, salary for the film before John Wick and look at the salary yeah. for his first film after John Wick and I bet it's substantially different. Yeah, I mean they're, obviously they're making a fourth and obviously I know they want to make Deadpool 3 but they also they've commissioned a TV show based on the John Wick universe as well. Yeah, um, they were going to sign off after three and then I think they essentially said we're making this much money, why would we stop? Yeah, and I, I mean people do enjoy it, obviously not so much this selected group but they're, they're right. Well, to be fair, you've got fifty percent. Uh, I feel like I've got about forty-five. Feel like you've swayed, you've swayed Jack here. Um, <laughs> well, I think if it was probably wasn't against Deadpool, it'd probably be different. No, of course, no. I do, no, as I said, I do, I do think it's had it's quite impactful. Like it's got it leaked into stuff like fucking Fortnite and yeah, I presume Deadpool payback as well. Right? Um, payback, yeah, they yeah, payback um, the game. They, they put him in. They were that confident. John Wick went in two days before the film came out. Oh, that's cool. Um, payback or payday? It's not pay at the start of it. Okay, cool. I just, <laughs> I, I, I know that he was in some about Robin Banks, and I thought that was called payday. Um, yeah, probably that's more like I've not played the game that he's in. I'm going to base bigger impact for the amount of people I've played on COD recently, or over the last year and a half that just have the fucking like name John Wick or some variation of John Wick. Just to stick with you. Um... Which film has the better ending? You're going to hate me for this, but it's John Wick. <laughs> uh, Jack? Deadpool. Sean? Deadpool. Uh, you know my answer. <laughs> yeah. um, finally then, chemistry. It's Deadpool and take any iteration. In the same way that the MVP's there. Yeah, same. <laughs> the same reason I give John Wick the MVP is the same reason he can't, or the same sort of idea that why he can't win chemistry. I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. So that does mean Deadpool does go through to the next round with a crikey, twelve with a twelve-three win. Um, I don't know if he's left on purpose there or going left. Uh, so 12-3 win for Deadpool. So that'll go through to the next round. That is the last one we will do before we go into uh, our Christmas films. As always, we've got the categories to go through. And then I'll close us out with uh, just 
let you know what we're in for for next week. So no more than 10 minutes left uh, for people listening and uh, for, for you three here. Real star of the film, I don't think, takes much uh, working out as we've crossed with the two of them. Fan theories. Uh, there wasn't many. There were some that like weren't even worthy of me writing down about how John Wick was in The Matrix purely because it's Keanu Reeves. So One of them, though, says, and I know this is the biggest point of contention with the first film, is where he digs up all those coins and we don't really know the significance of them or the value of them because he uses them for the hotel and numerous other things. And the, the theory is that the coins have no actual value at all and instead they just represent one favour each. Uh, when you do a favour of someone in the criminal underworld, you get one coin, and when you need a favour, you give one coin. Who's got their TV on really loud? <laughs> Sorry, man. Just walking through the house, but we sending into chaos to close this one. So that would make sense as to say why John has so many starts of the first film, where through the years you're led to believe that he was putting himself out there. Yeah earning those favours and Deadpool there wasn't really any because all of the source material is in the comics so there's no fan theories there recasting one role first one that came into my head the only other person I think could do Deadpool here and that is Harold and Kumar version NPH put him behind that suit and he's pulling it off what do you think Keenan? I don't hate it. I actually don't hate it. I think he's got enough about him to, to do it. I don't know how to describe Maybe it's a cadence. I don't know what you call it, but someone, it's the way Ryan Reynolds speaks it, it, that makes it work so well, and I think MPH can definitely do it. Now, I know I drew you in here. Are you having a piss as we speak to you? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think it sounded very... Uh... Echoey. Uh, Jack, who's your recasting here? and Is it David Spade? It's not David Spade, no. <laughs> uh, I haven't really thought about it from that, honest, because I just think he's so perfect for it. Um, no, the Rock in his Colossus. Yeah, potentially. Actually, get Mark Henry in his Colossus. <laughs> Mark Henry. Sean, any any from your end? Similar to that, I hadn't really thought about it because you can't think of anyone else who's more perfect for Deadpool. Chris Pines just came into my head, though. I think I associate him being similar to Ryan Reynolds. Uh, I, I dare not ask Keenan now because I don't know what he's doing as we speak. So if he wants to interject, so I'll uh, let him, if not. What's up, mate? Do you have a recasting? Uh, not that. No, not not anything spectacular. You're not having a shit now, are you? No, why? Sounds like you were still in your bathroom, so as, as no. you were still in there, I thought maybe you'd sat down. No, Christ, no, Jesus! I've got some sense of decorum. <laughs> you say that. Who knows? If the cast swap, Jack, which film works best? Uh, John Wick with Deadpool's cast. I might enjoy it more then. 
Keenan? Yeah, I think Ryan Reynolds could do serious better than Keanu Reeves could do that <laughs> sense of humour. Which sounds harsh to Keanu Reeves because I'm sure he is funny in his own way, but I don't quite see him pulling off Deadpool level. Is Ryan Reynolds then kind of a serious... Yeah, he's been loads. I know he's a serious film, but I meant... Like Safe House he's serious in. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I guess he is. It's kind of like... It's, not bad. it's actually not that bad, him in Denzel. No. Yeah, yeah. Um, Good film, Church in the Wild. If you had to add Tom Cruise or The Rock to this movie, which would you choose? It's got to be The Rock in Deadpool and Tom Cruise in John Wick, hasn't it? Yeah. 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 Um, we've had Stan Lee going into the Retro Hall of Fame. And, alright then, just to close us out. Next week kickstarts our Christmas schedule that we will be getting into. We've got plenty to share throughout December and I suppose the last week of November. Um, we've got interviews with Devin Rattray from Home Alone, Todd Strauss-Schultz the director of Harold and Kumar Christmas, Brett Kelly, the kid from Bad Santa, Jeremiah Chechik, the director of National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. And if tomorrow goes to plan, we will have Argyle from Die Hard featuring two. So two interviews for the first week of Movie Madness Christmas. The episodes that we have, the films we've selected, we have Die Hard Against Home Alone, November 27th, December 4th, A Very Harold and Kumar Christmas Against Four Christmases. So Die Hard Home Alone, One Man Taken on Christmas. Harold and Kumar Christmas Against Four Christmases, Impressing the Family. December the 11th, the night before this office Christmas party. Hopefully the lockdown's over and me and Jack can have our yearly watch of the night before to gear up for that. So that is about the Christmas, a Christmas night out the night before office Christmas party. And then finally, December the 18th, we have Elf against Bad Santa. So quite simply, good Santa against bad Santa there. So that is our Christmas coverage. We've got a whole new scoring criteria to get into. I can rip through the categories so you know what we're going into and obviously we'll discuss them in more detail next week. So which did you prefer as per rewatchability, best quote, best moment slash scene MVP? We've got the Christmas angel, the tree topper. Um, essentially, which bird you think is the best from the film? So not to be uh, too distasteful there. Could be a back to the Leslie someone, Man Hall of Fame day. Hey, someone could charm you. Zoe Deschanel in Elf probably is going to charm you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Best side character. Relatability. Anything happens in the film, whether it's uh, someone, well, someone wraps up, whether it's the family around at Christmas, whether it's a lack of Christmas spirit in Keenan's case. Uh, relatability there. Keenan might be relating or, to Bad Santa. Or having a bit too much to drink on Christmas Eve in your case. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get into that on one of our Christmas episodes. Who overcomes more to save Christmas? Ultimately, all Christmas films are about is saving Christmas and who overcomes more? Christmas spirit. How much, how Christmassy does it make you feel? Best soundtrack. Best tree. I love a good Christmas tree on uh, the Movie Madness podcast. So which film has the best, which film has the best tree? Um, originality, bigger impact, ending and chemistry. And then points to consider the real star. If the cast swapped, Rex Ryan Hall of Fame. What's the message? 
And what's the biggest Christmas miracle in the film? Whether it's Jason Bateman charming Olivia Munn, whether it's Macaulay Culkin not killing himself home alone, like that, as at uh, that age, or, or the people in Home Alone just surviving. So there we go. That sums us up. Die Hard Against Home Alone next week. We'll be back with the action bracket at the start of January. We'll see how fresh everyone feels at the start of the month because, yeah, New Year's Eve is a Thursday and I don't think I'll be getting any of you on then to do a podcast on New Year's Eve. So, <laughs> New Year, January 7th, we'll be back on the Movie Madness podcast. Action New bracket. New Year, Exactly. We'll be back. Hopefully, uh, Russell doesn't join us in the next couple of weeks. Goodbye.